0: welcome to mosaic church and thank you for joining us here online to prepare for today's message we encourage you to utilize the mosaic cincinnati app there you can view the message notes put in prayer requests and so much more enjoy the message open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bibles with us today, or open up your YouVersion app on your phone, and, and we're going to get into God's Word. And so this week, we're headed back to the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Last week was kind of the culmination. We, we, we jumped all the way to the end, and we, we talked about the resurrection and the people that surrounded Jesus during that time. And, and man, I had a blast, and it was so cool to see the building full. I want to send a special thanks to all our volunteers last weekend that, that, that worked overtime and just did some um, great ministry here in the building. It was so cool to host over, over 500 people here in the building. And so that was a big milestone for us and just really cool. But uh, we're going to be through the gospel of Mark this month. And Mark, another way to describe it, uh, last week we described it as the gospel of realism, just getting right to the point. But another way to describe the book of Mark is 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 that it's the gospel of action, the gospel of action. And, And you can see this through a certain word that is used over and over throughout the book of Mark. And so the word in the Greek is euthis, which means instantly or immediately, It occurs over 30 times in Mark's gospel. And so just imagine this is a, a, a just a, Mark is painting this vivid picture of the dramatic life of Christ. And it just goes from one action to the next and all the way to that ultimate climax, which was the resurrection. And so, but I just want to remind you the primary action that Jesus came to complete was the salvation of our souls. Jesus, when asked why he came, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he came to save us. That, that salvation that every single one of us needs and desires was the reason that he came. And so he did all kinds of cool things in the book Mark, and we're going to see one of them today. But salvation was the goal. Um, another phrase that is used um, in Mark that I just think really um, explains what the book is all about, it's kaiuthis, it's and it's, it's putting these two Greek words together, and it basically, when translated into our, into our vernacular, it basically means, and then there was the time. Have you ever been with somebody that, that couldn't tell stories fast enough, and it's like one story after another, and they talk about a mile a minute, and they just can't get them out, right? Um, I had the privilege of sitting around the table with some people last night, and it was just one great story after another, right? And that's so fun to hear just stories that make you laugh and make you cry and make you uh, just, just know how, how fun life can be. And that's kind of how Mark is. It just goes boom, boom, boom. Even just in the first chapter, there's so many cool things. But I bet you've had a friend like that full of stories, Right? They kind of get worked into a frenzy as they're telling it, and, and you're tired just listening, right? And that's that's kind of how it can be reading through the book of Mark. It's like, oh my goodness, just so much happened. It's almost like a movie that goes so fast and action-packed that, that you feel like it, it, it only took five minutes, but two hours passed. Have you ever experienced that? And so... Another thing to know about the book of Mark as we get into this today is that it was written at a time when the church was enduring intense persecution. People were being killed for the faith and and giving their lives for the faith. And it's possible that the apostle Peter, the number one source for the material in the book of Mark. So John Mark wrote the book of Mark and, and the person that he got all these eyewitness accounts from was most likely the apostle Peter. Well, it's possible that Peter was killed right before this book was finished, and it's possible that Mark just had to get to the point because time was short and each day was not promised. You know, it, it, when I read through this book, it seems like there's urgency. There's, there's this, this, that he has this message that really matters and he just wants to get right to it. And so just in chapter 1, we see Jesus get baptized. We see Jesus get tempted. We see him call the disciples. We see him cast out spirits. We see him healing people. It's just action-packed. And so as you read through the book of Mark this this month, which I pray that you will, I just want you to know, just like Jesus acted, and he acted fast in the book of Mark, and, and only three years was his ministry, and so it's not a lot of time. When Jesus starts to walk through your life, and some of you that might be a new thing, you're trying it out, you're thinking about it, you're, you're testing the waters, you're kicking the tires. And when Jesus starts to walk through your life, things don't stay the same. Jesus is not just a passive God that is just kind of up there in the heavens and floating around in the clouds and with the chubby little cherubs and, 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 and angels flying around him with their, with their, no. All the maybe pictures that you had of God, no. Jesus is personal. He came and he walked in flesh just like you and me. He lived life just like you and me. He went through the same trials and, 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 and things that you go through. And he acted. He changed things, he shook things up. Jesus proved that you don't need a lifetime to change the world. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't need a lifetime to change you. Jesus doesn't need a lifetime to put your life back together. Jesus doesn't need a whole lifetime to to shape you and mold you to, to finally at the end get some things right. Jesus wants to step into your life right now, today, just like he did in the book of Mark and start shaking things up. And so my question to you is, are you ready? Are you ready to to, to go on this action-packed adventure with the savior of the world who wants to walk into your life and look you straight in the face and say, "Hey, hey, I'm willing, are you up for it? And what's your answer gonna be? Are you ready for Jesus to start walking through the halls and the the pathways of your life and just start changing and tweaking things? I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Everywhere Jesus went, we see change. And so I want to encourage you to maybe just, just shake the dust off. Hey, we're not going to settle for status quo. We're not gonna settle for just going to church on Sunday and not thinking about it the rest of the week. No, we're we're gonna look at a at a Jesus who was so personal that everywhere he went, the people that he encountered were changed and transformed. And so today we're looking at Mark chapter one, verses forty through forty-five. And so you could turn there and get ready. But we see a leper, and so back in those days, a leper was a a, a person who had a skin disease that um, other people were afraid of catching. It was contagious, and and so um, and so they they had this disease that would literally eat away at their flesh, and it was incredibly incredibly painful, and um and it was it was horrible. And so we see this man with the, with this skin disease. He was a leper, and. And it was incurable. No one could change it. Basically, once somebody got this disease, they were just pushed out of all society. But this man gets close to Jesus. He gets close to Jesus. And you'll see today that, that the leper is a very physical example of what you and I and we all need spiritually. You might not be outwardly showing these signs of, of, of a physical um a sickness like, like he was. But we all have a spiritual sickness that we need saved from. And so let's, let's dig in today. The first thing that we see in this story is that I need a Savior. You need a Savior. We all need a Savior. You might say, Joe, how do we, how do we learn this from this story? Let's, let's read it. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean he said bold comes right up to jesus as they're walking as they're on their journey and and just just gets right up in front of him if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean and so what you need to understand about the the context of this story is that in these in this Uh, society and in in this culture and at this time, the leper himself was considered utterly and completely unclean, and he knew it. But people didn't just consider him physically unclean, because that's what it would seem like. People didn't want to be around him because he had a physical sickness. No, at that time, they actually thought him to be not only physically unclean, but spiritually unclean. People at that time thought that his physical sickness was probably the result of some sin that he had committed in his life. Now, you know, obviously today, when we look at somebody who is sick, we don't think, oh, I wonder what they did, right? That's not the mindset that we have. But at this time, that was, that was the mindset. And so not only would he have thought that he is physically unclean, but because he'd been completely pushed out of society, he thought that there was something deeply wrong inside of him as well. According to the law at that time, he was not allowed to approach anyone within six feet, including his family members. So from the day he came down with this sickness, he was pushed out of his family, he was pushed out of all social life by himself. And it says in Leviticus chapter 13, it says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, everywhere they go. Can you imagine how embarrassing, how shameful? Now, we know a thing or two about covering our mouths. Uh, we, you know, we've done that uh, in, the, in recent history. But this guy had to do it for the rest of his life. Can you imagine? I cannot. So, the leper in this story dramatically demonstrates that no person is too unclean, polluted, dirty, or sinful to come to Jesus. This is what you need to take out of it, that it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what kind of sin you might be carrying or have left in your past and you buried it deep down and you've never dealt with it. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life, you are never too dirty or never too sinful to come to Jesus. And the cool thing is Jesus isn't afraid of your sin. The things that make you think that you're untouchable, the things that that make you think nobody will want to to be your friend if they know that about you. Jesus isn't afraid of it. Another thing I want to ask you as we apply this to our lives is how many or how long had he gone without friendship and family? And how many of you have you gone a long time without a relationship with God or a relationship with Jesus because you thought he wouldn't approve of you? or that he wouldn't accept you, or that, or that he couldn't fix you. The leper knew he was unclean. He knew it. Now, a lot of times these days in our culture and in our society, we don't want to admit that there's anything wrong with us. We don't want to admit that anything is sin. It's just, hey, whatever floats your boat, you know, it's, it's your, you know, whatever your truth is. I don't even know what that means, but those are the kind of things that are said these days in our culture. But this guy, he knew what was wrong. He knew it. He couldn't ignore it. He could not blend in. He could not go home. He, his, his, um, his, his sin, per se, was outward. It wasn't hidden. It wasn't something that he could just hide away and not talk about. No, everyone knew it. It was on display. He knew it. And so this is a very dramatic example of what every one of us have to realize every single person, that we are all sinners, including me. My my title is pastor. It does not exempt me from the fact that I'm a sinner in need of grace, right? So we are all sinners desperately in need of a Savior, all of us. I want to ask you today, how long have you gone without the loving presence of Jesus in your life? How long has it been? because it's a long road without him. It's a long road without him. I mean, back when I was a youth leader in college, um, we had a great youth group. It was growing, kids were coming all the time, and we were just, as, as, as college students, we were just having the time of our life, just loving on, on these students and giving them a place to belong and, 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 and seeing kids come to Christ all over the place. And so this one girl came, and she didn't talk to anybody. She, she just was quiet. And so, man, kids like that, we just, we put a target on their back. <laughs> and we would just go and we'd talk to them and we'd love the tar out of them until that, until that hard facade just fell. Week after week, we would just talk to her and, and love on her and just be Jesus to her and, and just, just treat her like a part of the family. And so a couple months later, we received a letter, a handwritten letter, anonymously. But as we read the letter, we knew exactly who the letter was from. And so this girl, her name was Erin, she, she wrote us this letter that, and she basically said that when she came to youth group, it was her last ditch effort. She was considering ending it all at, at the young age of 15, uh, because she, she felt completely unseen, untouchable, unlovable, and that nobody saw her. And it was just by very simple actions of loving and speaking and talking and seeing that her whole life changed. She gave her life to Christ. Her entire countenance changed in a moment. From then on, she came in with a smile on her face and and she chose to live with Jesus instead of die in her shame apart from him, right? How long have you gone separate from the loving presence of Jesus and separate from the loving presence of people who love Jesus that are loving you? Side note, I see people all the time acting untouchable. And how do I see people acting untouchable in our culture and in our society? They, instead of running to Jesus, they're running to social media and clamoring for attention. They're, they're, they're running up to things that will never satisfy that, that, that hole in their soul. They're running to social media and they're, they're trying to say, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, but it's never filling the void. Right? They're bowing down before mere mortals, begging to be seen when it's Jesus that we need to run to to fill that hole in our hearts. And so this man knew that he needed a savior and he ran exactly to the right place. The next thing that we know about uh, uh, lepers in in this age and in this time is that they were literally judged already dead. They were like the walking dead, literally. That's what people thought of them. And so this man, he probably had to wear black, a black garment so that he could be recognized as already being among the dead. Can you imagine that? And the same is true for you and for me, that without Jesus and without a savior, that, that we are walking dead, spiritually dead. It might not be outwardly and you might not have to flaunt it all the time to everybody, but without Jesus, we have the same state, we're walking dead. We might be going through the motions, we might be just doing what life has to offer, but inside we're wondering about our purpose, we're sensing that all this world and everything it has to offer is empty, but we don't know why, right? We're walking dead. Number three, we know that this leper, he was banished as an outcast. He was totally ostracized from society, both earthly and heavenly. In Leviticus 13, 14, it says, as long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Can you imagine? I cannot. And so what this is for you and me is this is a physical representation of what sin does to your relationship with God. That we're completely cut off from Him. In Hebrews 13, it makes an amazing analogy an amazing connection that just like this man and, and people that were that, that were full of sin they they were they were forced outside the gates and outside the camp into lonely places the, the Bible says that Jesus himself suffered outside of the gates and outside of the camp he suffered up on the hill that was that was Calvary and that the, the, they called it Golgotha the place of the skull when he when he died for you and for me and just like Jesus suffered outside the camp that we need to go out outside of the camp and bear the disgrace that he bore. And and so it makes this connection. This leper knew what it meant to live outside the camp, to live in his place. Wow. And then the fourth thing that we know is that he was thought by society to be polluted, incurable by any human means whatsoever. He could only be cured by God and, and his power alone. Wow, there was no cure. There was only one way for him to get better and it's the same with you and me and our sin. Listen, if you could have fixed yourself, if you could have gotten out of that addictive habit or that, that spiral of sin or that thing that, that you know just, just held you captive, if you could have uh, filled your life with purpose and filled your life with, with peace and joy already by yourself, you would have done it, right? right you would have done it if you could have fixed yourself you would have already only Jesus can make your heart clean just like only Jesus only God could have helped this leper Jesus was proving even then here in Mark chapter one he was proving that he was really God the Messiah the Savior of the world that he was the one and only way to be made right with God See, you might be here this morning and have been searching and been trying things and and maybe this coming to church today is just your last ditch effort. Man, I hope that seeing Jesus in this story makes you realize that he's the only way. He's your only hope. The second thing that we see in this story is that Jesus' heart breaks for you and for me. It breaks for you and for me. The story says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. Reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed instantly. And that's that word I talked about earlier, euthos. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Can you imagine? Instantly. Instantly. And so, a couple things that we see from this. The first is we see that Jesus made time for interruptions. Jesus was on his way; he was doing ministry. Some some scholars say that this probably happened when Jesus was walking down the mountain after preaching the the Sermon on the Mount, the most popular sermon in all of history. And so, as he's walking down, and and, and you know, this this guy just comes right in front of him. He breaks the six-feet barrier, which don't you think it's kind of funny that back then there was a six-foot rule too? And, and so he breaks the six-foot barrier and Jesus doesn't just speak to him, Jesus reaches out and touches him before he was healed. Can you imagine how long it had been since he had had, had felt a physical touch? So this man was humble, he was desperate, but it says that Jesus was full of compassion. Don't you ever think again in your entire life that God is just a great big angry man up there waiting, waiting to swat you. No. When he looks at you and what's going on in your life and, and how broken you might feel, he's got nothing but compassion for you when you come to him humbly and boldly. So it says he was full of comp- compassion. This word used for compassion in the Greek it sounds kind of funny, splanchnizomai, splanchnizomai. And when you hear that kind of funny word, it, it kind of sounds like it means. You see, this word is derived from, from the words used for guts or innards. And so basically it's saying that deep in Jesus's gut, have you ever seen somebody and felt such compassion and empathy for them that you felt it in your stomach? Has anybody ever felt that, that like seeing them hurt literally made you hurt? I know that anytime I see my kids fall or they get hurt, you know, that as a parent, you feel that, right? You feel it deep inside of you, and it's like, oh, you almost hurt with them. That is, is how Jesus felt when he saw this man. And that's how you need to know that God feels about you. Isn't that amazing? And so he wasn't just like, oh, I feel sorry for him. No, he was moved deep from within. He had this intense empathy. And that's how Jesus sees you and me when we're in our sin, unable to fix it on our own. It moved him so much that he went to the cross. That's how much he was moved. And so, like I said, he touched him before he was cleansed. I can't imagine just what that touch must have felt like to that man. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He died for you before you ever made a choice to follow him. Isn't that amazing? And so here Jesus is being Jesus long before he went to the cross for you and me. And then the miracle happens. And what I love about this miracle is there was a simple request. If you're willing, you can make me clean. There was a simple response. I am willing, be healed. There was no fanfare. There was no, you know, just big celebration. And here again, we see that, that verb, euthis. Immediately, it happened. Jesus wants to act in your life. Man, I love the saying that says, you are as close to Jesus as you want to be. You are as close to God as you want to be. There is nothing keeping you from this kind of power that Jesus wants to give. Now, this power might not always flesh out the same way. You know, we, we know that not everybody gets healed all the time, and that's not because Jesus can't. It's because he maybe has a different plan. But, but, the, but the immediacy of what God can do in your life is still absolutely true. And by the way, Jesus is still healing, and Jesus is still providing, and Jesus is still working, and Jesus is still saving. And just when you think that you're too far gone, he's ready to show up and say, hey, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And so Jesus wants to act in your life. I wanna encourage you, it's not what you feel, it's what's real. And when Jesus comes into your life and he saves you and he throws your your sin as far as the east is from the west, you need to trust that today. Trust it, that you're free and you're forgiven and that you're spiritually healed in Jesus' name. When Jesus says you're clean, you're clean. Amen? Amen. And then the third thing that we see in this story is that Jesus was inconvenienced for me. Jesus was inconvenienced for you. This wasn't something that just like he's, he's God. And so he's walking around with all the Jesus power, which he had, but no, no, he was literally inconvenienced for you. So what happens? It says, then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. And this is kind of strange. He says, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. And so Jesus wasn't saying that it can't be public. Jesus just wanted him to do it in the right way, right? So don't just go start telling everybody, go do the right thing. Go, go present yourself to the priest and, and follow these guidelines that they had in the law at that time. And, and do that. But what does the man do? <laughs> he does the exact opposite. It says, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. And he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming to him. You could blow by this really quickly and just kind of discount, like, okay, it happened. Yeah, everybody wants to be around Jesus. But think about this. First of all, Jesus' commands might seem kind of strange here. Why shouldn't he tell anybody? Why has he got to go do all this other stuff first? You know, one, one reason that could be, and this is one of these questions we might just have to ask Jesus when we get, there, get to heaven someday. But Jesus' main mission was actually the message. It was the gospel. It was the good news that Jesus is going to save you from your sins. So his main thing was the message, not the healing. Now, did Jesus go from town to town preaching the gospel and healing the sick and, and doing all those things? Absolutely. But the healing was an outward sign of power to help people do what? To help them believe. Because it's through faith and by believing that we're saved, right? That we're saved. Jesus' primary mission was the salvation of your soul. And so he wanted people to believe the message. In some places though, such as Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, where there was no faith that Jesus was God, there was also very little healing that happened. Right? And so what do we derive from this? One thing we have to remember is that physical healing is temporary, right? We're all still gonna die someday. That leper eventually died and and went to eternity in one of two places, either as a follower of Christ or not as a follower of Christ. As a follower of Christ, he'd spend eternity in heaven, which is a very real place. If he wasn't following Christ, had not believed, and and I I would think he believed, right? After what happened to him. But if he didn't believe, then he's gonna spend eternity separated from God. And so Jesus tells him not to tell. So that, and I believe it was so that Jesus could continue to preach throughout the towns unhindered because his main goal was just getting people to hear the message. But like, we can't contain it when we're set free. This, this guy couldn't contain it either. And the same, and this is what gets me, and this is what just needs to shake you to your core today. The same thing that happened to Jesus on the cross when he was taken outside of town, out to the place where excluded people go, and he was put on that cross. The same thing happened here in this instance. Jesus was forced out to the secluded places where we belong. James Edward, a theologian, he says it like this Mark began the story with Jesus on the inside and the leper on the outside. At the end of the story, Jesus is on the outside in the lonely places. And Jesus and the leper have switched spots, they switched spots. And that's what happened when Jesus went to the cross for you. You and I were the ones that should have been up there nailed to the cross, suffering and dying for our sins because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But Jesus said, hey, no, I'll go up on the cross for you so that you don't have to endure that pain. I will go to the lonely places. I'll get secluded. I will get ostracized so that you can be back on the inside. Isn't that amazing? Jesus' offering of healing and restoration and forgiveness and the salvation of your soul came at such a high price. And we begin to see this all the way back at the beginning of Mark. That already he's switching places with people. He's taking the punishment that they deserved. Wow. Jesus switched places with you and me another thing that we see is that when you start helping people when you start being a blessing to people other people who need help start showing up right which we could see that also inconvenience jesus he couldn't go anywhere and get a moment's peace people were constantly looking for him and so what do we take away from all this one, we got to remember that we need to be ready as believers to bear some of the same weight that Jesus bore when he ministered to other people. That, that we want to have that same compassion for others and we want a heart to break when, when people are far from God. And we, we want to know that we're going to probably undergo the same kind of misunderstandings that Jesus went through and the same kind of inconvenience. So what does our response need to be? How do we respond to all this, to, to the fact that we need a savior and, and, and that Jesus was broken for us and, and that Jesus was inconvenienced for us? The first thing that you need to do today is that if you're that person that realizes that you're a sinner, that you need a savior, and you have not yet taken advantage of this free gift of salvation that Jesus is offering, it's time to put your faith, to put your trust, to believe that Jesus is the way, the one way, to heaven the one way to God that he really is who he said he was and that he could do in your life what he said he could do it's time to to lay the guilt and the shame down maybe you're one of those people that that for a long time you believe that oh you know who's who, who's the church or who's God or who's who's anyone to tell me what's wrong in my life but as we talk about this today, you're realizing, man, I really do have sin. I really do have stuff that I need to get taken care of, that, that, that I need God to forgive me of. And, and what's happening right now, if that's you and you're feeling that, is the Holy Spirit is beginning to convict your heart and say, hey, the, the, what the world, the, the, the lies that the world is telling you are not true. You need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And maybe... Like this leper, things that that were once hidden are beginning to come to the surface and you're realizing, oh my goodness, I know. I know that I need to come right to Jesus's feet just like that leper and say, Jesus, if you're willing, please heal me. Please take away my sin. I wanna be in a right relationship with you once again. And so maybe today you say, hey, I need a savior too. Here's my heart, God. Here's my heart, God. Second thing that we need to do in response is we need to realize and remember that my friends and my family also need a savior. That we're surrounded by a world full of people all the time that they might not understand it yet or know it yet, but they're just as in need of spiritual healing, healing as this leper was in need of physical healing. And so what should that do to us? My heart needs to break for the same things that Jesus's heart broke for. Right? In the same way that Jesus looked at that man and 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 he was full of compassion deep down in his gut. God, align our hearts with yours and help us to see our world in the same way that, that you saw us when we were apart from you. And then lastly, I need to remember that I will endure inconvenience when I follow Jesus, in Jesus' footsteps, and it's worth it, it's worth it. People might, might not always understand why I'm following, why I'm following Jesus. People might, might not understand why I'm so excited about Jesus. People might, might not understand why I, I maybe do certain things or don't do certain things because I follow Jesus. People might not get it, and it might cause me some inconvenience, but it's worth it. And just like Jesus traded places with me when he went to the cross, Man, I can step outside of camp. I can go outside of the walls of of normal society and bear some of that same disgrace that he bore. Wow. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. If that's you and you say, Joe, spiritually, I'm just like that leper. I need a savior. And I've realized today that Jesus is the only one that can save me. And I want to give my heart and my life to Christ today. If that's you, uh, just raise your hand. Your, your hand's not up for me. You're just saying, hey, Jesus, here, here I am. That's me. It's me. Man, that's awesome. I'll wait just another moment. If you need to give your heart and your life to Christ today and say, I need a Savior. Just lift your hand today. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand today, I wanna to encourage you to pray a prayer just like this. And just so that you know we're all with you and we're cheering you on and we're, we're so happy that you're making a decision to follow Christ. Hey, I wanna encourage our whole congregation here to pray this prayer after me today. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and you're gonna repeat after me. Can we do this together? Hey, let's do this to support those that are giving their lives to Christ today. Pray after me today. Say, let's say, Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. I believe. You died on the cross, and you rose again, and you did it for me. I believe you're the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. I trust you for my salvation. Help me to understand your word and to follow it. Amen. Amen. Let's give those a hand that gave their lives to Christ today. Amen. If you did decide to follow Jesus today, we've got a free Bible for you in the lobby. And so you can take your Connect card uh, to the Welcome Center, and we'd love to get that Bible and that packet in your hand with some resources. Um, And and second prayer that we're going to pray as I close today. If you're saying, God, I want my heart to break for what yours breaks for. God, I wanna have that same compassion in my gut like you had for the leper who was broken. And God, help me to follow you no matter what the cost. If you wanna pray that prayer today with me as we close, just raise your hand and let's commit our lives to Jesus. God, we wanna go with you. We wanna have the same compassion that you had for the leper. God, we wanna have the same uh, resolute spirit God, we want to have the same conviction deep down in our hearts that whatever it costs us, wherever we have to go, whatever we have to do, God, it might inconvenience us, but it's worth it when we're following you. Help us, God, to make the hard decisions in our life that that sometimes it takes to follow you and to just have the same compassion that you have for this world. Man, we love you so much, Jesus, and we thank you for, for taking our place on that cross, for switching places with us thank you, Jesus. We never want that fact to get old. We never want it to just become something that we take for granted. And so we thank you today. And we pray that that one fact would drive us in life to follow you, which is total abandon. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.